This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Hey, good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. Of course, I'm your host, Vincent Hill. Today is Tuesday. It's December the 18th. And you know what that means? That means we are seven. That's right. Seven. That's right. Count it again. Seven days until Christmas. And guess what? I still have not started my Christmas shopping If you can believe that. Uh, Quick programming note, of course, we will not be on the air next week with it being Christmas, which falls on a Tuesday this year. Beyond the Badge will not be on the air. We will return the following Tuesday, which I believe may actually be uh, New Year's Eve, if my math is right. Or actually, I think... The following Tuesday is New Year's Day, so we may actually be off the air for that as well. Uh, Haven't quite decided yet. But, uh, you know, seven days to Christmas, so hope everyone has gotten their stuff done, their Christmas shopping. I hope all the parents have wrapped the gifts and they're hiding them in the attic, in the basement, in the bedroom closet, in the car, in the trunk, wherever you're hiding those presents. I hope you did your shopping. Don't be like me and wait till the last minute. On Christmas Eve, Eve. Uh, so let's get right into it. I got a lot I need to cover tonight. Uh, I want to do an update on the the video that went viral, um, maybe a couple weeks ago now, up in New York, of the uh, little boy that was snatched out of his mom's hands uh, at a welfare office. Of course, that went viral, and police were charged with being racist and abusive and everything else. But now there's witnesses coming forward that said the uh, female actually instigated the entire thing. Imagine that. Again, police usually get called to a scene and they have to act. And I said last week how an officer's job is to arrest the individual. Uh, No matter what the situation is, use the amount of force necessary. So we're definitely going to talk about that. Also, another viral video of some white cops involving a black male. Uh, But this time, these are the stories you don't hear about. This was in Texas. A house fire had broken out. A kid was trapped inside his apartment with his mother. Uh, Two or three officers went to the window, uh, threw a rock to the second story window because they couldn't get upstairs, shattered the window, had the boy jump out of the window, and he was caught. Uh, and he was uninjured. So we definitely want to talk about that. But first, I want to I want to start with uh, there was a teen, I, I want to say in 2017, uh, who drug a New York City police officer down the street on his vehicle. And that kid's name, Justin Morrill, he's 17 years old now. I believe he was 16 when this happened. Uh, but anyway, it was during a traffic stop. He drug the, uh, it was actually a stolen car. He drug the officer several blocks at a speed of about 60 miles an hour uh, before the officer was thrown from the car. The officer now has um, severe brain damage, actually. He has to be under 24-hour watch. So uh, he was charged, this kid was charged with attempted murder, but... um, 
Jury came back. They acquitted him of attempted murder, uh, but they did find him guilty of first-degree assault. And I want to talk about that because, to me, it appears that there's a double standard, right? We hear about recent events. We hear about Roy Oliver in Texas who was convicted of murder. He was a police officer who was responding to shots fired at a party. Uh, in the in the heat of the moment, the split-second decision that he had to make, he shot someone that was unarmed, that was not involved in the shooting. Uh, but given the circumstances, you know, it was a split-second decision. He was charged and convicted of murder. Uh, several police officers have been charged uh, with murder. Some are awaiting trial. Jason Van Dyke was just convicted of murder in the first degree. Uh so there's this rash of police officers who are doing their jobs, which at some point requires them to use deadly force or force that could lead to serious bodily injury that results in a death or just serious bodily injury. So you have police officers getting charged with manslaughter. They're getting charged with assault. They're getting charged with uh, attempted murder. All of these things that police officers who are doing their jobs are getting charged with and the public demanding, demanding, demanding convictions, including those jury members. So how is it that a kid in a stolen car can drag a police officer several blocks at speeds up to 60 miles an hour? The intent when he was getting away was not to protect the officer's life. It was not to take him down to Dairy Queen to get an ice cream sundae. It was not to take him to Dunkin' Donuts to get a jelly-filled donut. His intent when he drove off with that officer on the vehicle was to cause serious bodily injury or death, which, by law, serious bodily injury should equate to an attempted murder charge which is what he was charged with. So I, I really want to know what happened in this jury's mind. Again, because you look at juries across the country that are convicting police officers who are doing their jobs. What was in their mind when this officer, who is now under 24-hour care, severe brain damage, which means he likely was not even in court when the trial went on, but yet this kid skates on an attempted murder charge. Now, let me do the math here. He's 17 years old. and everything I read, he was not charged as an adult. So he was convicted of first-degree assault, which really doesn't carry a lengthy sentence anyway as an adult. So he's 17. He was, I believe, 16 at the time this happened. So he's going to spend his time in juvenile, and then he's going to get out, he's going to go steal another car, or he's going to go drag somebody else down the street, and he's going to say, well, hell, I got away with it before, why can't I get away with it now, right? So here's the thing. If it's good for the goose, it should be good for the gander. You remember that saying, good for the goose, good for the gander. If police officers who are out doing their jobs on a daily basis for shitty money, for people to treat them like shit, to have to walk in shit, literally, 
They're out doing their jobs, protecting and serving the community. They get charged and convicted because you have to appease a certain population of murder. They spend 25, 30 years in jail for having to make a split second decision. But yet some kid in a stolen car, a stolen car. Let me let me reiterate this a stolen car, which means he was already in the act of a felony. Some person that is out doing a felony who very easily could have killed this officer or I'll add one step further. This officer could still die as a result of his injuries. He has severe brain damage as a result of his injuries. So this kid who basically did attempt to murder this police officer walks. Where Where's his double standard that's going on here? Because I assure you, if the, the shoe was on the other foot, as they say, the roles were reversed, vice versa, whatever you want to say, if this police officer was responding to a crime, let, let me let me let me put it this way. Let's say this police officer, which he was, uh, was responding to reports of shots fired. Boom. He actually approaches this guy. Boom. Sitting in the driver's seat of a Honda Accord, which had been stolen from a previous county. Let's just say that the officer thought that for whatever reason, in that split second, that this kid was armed because he was reaching, he was doing furtive movements, he was doing whatever, and not listening to commands of show me your hands. And let's say, again, in the split second, the officer fired his weapon and killed this kid. Nobody would care that he was in a stolen car. (laughs) Nobody would care that the officer was responding to shots fired. Nobody would care that the kid tried to flee. The only thing they would say is it's racist and that officer should be charged with murder. This is an officer that is trained, trained in these situations. So here's a kid who apparently is trained to steal cars and train, trained to be around where shots are going off. But he gets a free pass on something the public would have demanded the officer go to jail for. Imagine that. That is a double standard if I've ever seen one. And it's a very sad double standard because it's a slap in the face to law enforcement, not only in the city of New York, it's not only a slap in the face to that officer who is now, let me say it again, severely brain damaged under 24-hour care. It's a slap in the face to police officers all across this country because more often than not, more common than you think, police are drugged down the street by vehicles attempting to flee. It happens. A police officer reaches in to try to get a suspect out. The suspect takes off and the police officer is trapped in between and they're drugged down the street. It happens. And believe you me, that individual fleeing in that car does not care if that officer lives or dies. They don't care that the officer could fall off and they could roll over the officer's head with their back tire as they're landing on the concrete. They don't care about that. So to me, it's a slap in the face, not only to that officer in New York City, but to police across this country. Because I assure you, if the roles were reversed, the public would be demanding that the officer was charged with attempted murder or with murder or aggravated assault or 
anything other than what this kid got off with. It's sad. All right, so last week we talked about um, this video that went viral. Uh, the the 20-year-old, 23-year-old woman who was inside the welfare office uh, sitting on the floor and police show up and supposedly forcefully remove uh, the baby uh, from her arms and people, oh God, it's racial, it's abuse of power, all of that good stuff. Um, But as we always say, don't judge a book by its cover and don't look at a 30 second video and think you're a police expert or you know the entire story, right? So um, police are now saying the video of the toddler pulled from the mom is not the entire story. This is coming from the New York City Police Commission. They said it's more complicated than what they first thought, right? So uh, they actually got witnesses. They got body cam footage. Imagine that. You know, people wanted everyone to have body cams so they could get the whole story of this brutality going on. Uh, So basically, uh, the brunt of it is uh, Jasmine Headley, that's her name, the 23-year-old, was asked to leave by several uh, security guards. Uh, she refused to do it. She sat on the floor. She actually became verbally abusive to one of the security guards and, get this, bit him on the arm. Hmm. She bit the security guard on the arm. Imagine that. So then after she was told to leave again, the child was actually in his stroller minding his own business. And what she, what did she do? She took the child out of the stroller, sat on the floor because she knew she knew that that would cause a scene if someone tried to use force against her. Now, remember, last week I said an officer's job is to effect the arrest, use the amount of force necessary to effect the arrest, even if the baby was in her arms. If she's under arrest, she's under arrest. And I said it, I've said it, and I'll say it again. An officer's reaction is based on the suspect's actions. So not only did she set these officers up to be filmed because she took the child out of the stroller. She knew police were coming, but she actually instigated, escalated the entire situation. She was asked to leave. She refused to do it. She became verbally abusive. She bit a security guard on the arm but the only thing society saw was oh my god look at these white police officers taking this black baby out of this black girl's hands this is such racism that's going on in this country well that's what you saw in the 30 second video because the person that shot it wanted you to see that but the person that shot it didn't shoot her acting like she usually would act that's how it goes People don't record what leads to the escalation. They just record the escalation because they want to paint this picture of police officers in this country when it comes to dealing with a certain demographic. Contrary to what you may believe or what you may be told, police just don't show up, get out of their car, and start manhandling people. Whether it's a man, a woman, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, police just don't show up and start manhandling women. Now, what's sad about this entire situation is one of the big wigs 
in the department before everything came out. And I've said this to the public. I think I need to say this to officials and chiefs and bosses. Like, don't base your conclusion on what you see in this 30 second video, because just last week, you know, they were these two officers. These officers were being condemned by their brass like, oh, it's very troubling what we saw, blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, it looks bad. But at the end of the day, she was resisting. She assaulted a security officer, which is a crime. And she refused to leave. So why is it the officer's fault that she acted that way? It's not the officer's fault um, because they have a job to do. Police are called to remove someone. Guess what they have to do? They have to remove someone. They don't care if you're there to get food stamps. They don't care if you've been there an hour waiting to get food stamps. They don't care if you've pulled your baby from the stroller now into your arms. The only thing they care about is two words, affecting the arrest. That's what it's all about. Now, on to Texas. Balk Springs, Texas. Again, here's a story you won't hear about other than the local news because it doesn't fit the narrative of the mainstream media. Two white officers, well, several white officers, actually, and a black boy in Texas. The house was on fire. The apartment was on fire. They could not get up the stairs. They tried several times. They eventually go around to a window, throw a rock at the window, tell the boy to jump. They catch him. He lands. He's unhurt. They were able to get his mom out. The mom, of course, went on uh, TV and actually thanked the police officers and that just goes to what i was just talking about right police just don't show up and act a certain way they act based on the situation this situation caused them to do what is their first priority in policing protect and serve so they protected this little boy from dying in this fire because they couldn't get in the fire department hadn't arrived yet which means it was going to get hotter and hotter and hotter. And chances are he likely would not have survived that. And they actually coached him into jumping down. It's a pretty amazing thing that these officers did. The fact that they were able to be the first on the scene, which is usually the case. They were able to act quickly, which is usually the case. They were able to save a life which is usually the case. But again, other than the local media, you know, it doesn't really fit the narrative. It's not sexy. The, the white officers didn't tase the little black boy for walking down the street and being unarmed. Or the white officers weren't seen on video beating him because he was resisting arrest. Or the white officers didn't use a racial uh, epithet towards the black boy or something that could be consider racist so therefore since it doesn't fit the narrative it didn't make the mainstream media but of course here on beyond the badge we cover that now another story that didn't hit the mainstream media that uh hit me pretty pretty close uh just a few days ago 
there was a DeKalb County police officer um, that was shot and killed during a traffic stop, I believe it was. And the reason it hit really close to home for me is, A, I live in in DeKalb County. uh, So, you know, depending on my timing of day, I could have easily had seen that officer um, getting killed or knowing me the way I, I know myself, I likely would have sprung into action to help that that officer um, that was shot and killed, um, you know, during uh, routine traffic stops. So it, it's funny, but it's not funny. Uh, I was talking to someone the, the following day, actually, and she said, did you hear about the DeKalb County police officer uh, that was shot and killed? I said, of course I heard about it. Um, and she said, well, it was a, uh, the media saying it was a, a routine traffic stop. And I said, well, uh, there's no such thing as a routine traffic stop. I said, that is something the media came up with. Uh, but anybody that's ever done policing will tell you nothing is routine about a traffic stop. So uh, not only was the officer shot and killed, uh, Officer Edgar Flores, who was only 24 years old, a kid, in my opinion, a kid, because I got 21 years on him, so I can call him a kid. Um, his his canine partner, Officer Indy, who was seven, actually lost his right eye. He was actually shot uh, just above his right ear. Uh, so we almost lost two law enforcement officials uh, during a quote unquote routine traffic stop. Um, that happened, uh, I want to say it was, it wasn't that late in the evening. Uh, it was actually around five o'clock. So just, just as the sun is getting ready to go down, uh, I think it's when this happened. And of course, traffic was, was backed up more than it typically is here in the Atlanta area. Uh, but you know, it just goes to show anything and everything can happen in this job um, in a split second. You know, routine, like I told uh, that individual I was talking to, I said, the only thing routine about about policing is the fact that every day a police officer puts on a uniform. That's the only routine thing about policing. You get up, you know you got to go to work, you put on your uniform. Other than that, there is nothing 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 routine about policing um you know from the time you leave roll call to the time you end your shift you don't know what's going to happen you don't know who you're going to run into you don't know what person is going to act crazy you don't know what person is going to try suicide by cop you don't know if you pull a car over if they're going to get out shooting if they're going to take off you don't know crap there's nothing routine about policing You don't even eat at the same time of day every day like you do on a normal job where your lunch is scheduled at 1230 and you go to lunch for an hour. It doesn't happen like that in policing. So nothing besides putting on your uniform is routine. Uh, So, again, just think about that. Anytime, split second, anything can happen. Uh, You know, again, we talked about the video in New York, the young lady that... uh, 
you know, people were saying was abused by police. Turns out witnesses are saying she actually instigated it. She actually put the baby in her arms because she knew police were coming and she was going to act a certain way. So eh, it just goes back to what I say. Don't believe a 30 second video until you get all of the facts, all of the facts. And again, my hats off to those officers in Texas for saving that young kid's life, for catching him jumping out of the window. Those are the stories we need more coverage of, not a police officer that has to use force and is then cast into the media as this racist, abusive person. Uh, So, again, next week is Christmas. We will not be uh, here next week. Of course, if I was, you wouldn't be listening anyway because you'll be opening presents and eating turkey and ham and macaroni and cheese and pumpkin pie and sweet potato pie and all of that good stuff and probably wetting your beak, if you know what I mean. So even if I was here next Tuesday, you wouldn't listen anyway because it's Christmas. I want to wish everyone, I want to take this opportunity to wish everyone a very, very Merry Christmas or Happy Holiday, depending on which term you like to use. You have to be mindful of that nowadays. So uh, to me, I choose to celebrate Christmas. So very Merry Christmas to everybody. I appreciate you. We're almost into a new year, 2019, and who knows what that has to offer. Now, it's time for my 10 seventh segment. I'd be remiss if I did not honor police officer Edgar Flores of the Cab County Police Department, DeKalb County, Georgia. His end of watch was Thursday, December 13th, 2018. Police officer Edgar Flores was shot and killed during a traffic stop on Candler Road near I-20 at approximately 5 p.m. During the course of the traffic stop, the suspect fled on foot with Officer Flores in pursuit. The man opened fire on Officer Flores, fatally wounding him as he continued to flee. The man was later shot and killed after he shot a police canine that located him hiding behind a nearby business. The canine was critically wounded. Officer Edgar had served with the DeKalb County Police Department for 18 months. 18 months. 24 years old. Just before Christmas. Let that sink in. Just before Christmas. 12 days before Christmas. This man lost his life protecting and serving. I want to thank you for listening as always. I appreciate you. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a dark to light with Frank and Beans quick fix on Radio Influence. I know that there was a huge confirmation about the FBI investigation that has been launched in in, uh, Arkansas, the 757s that are pretty much taking boatloads of of documents out of there. That's that's a very big confirmation. That's a big deal. That's a really, really big deal because the Clinton Foundation, like those guys that were standing up there weren't saying like, oh, all we have them on is tax fraud. They hinted very strongly that they have them on lots of other crimes that they found through their investigation. These are former U.S. attorney in there, okay? Or a former Department of Justice investigator. These are not like some slouches from Boston that just sound great, you know what I mean? 
So these guys actually found other criminality that they've obviously given over to the correct venue and and have obviously this venue has been looking into this stuff. And I want to be honest again, the Clinton Foundation is directly connected to Uranium One. There is already and has been a grand jury seated in the Uranium One case. And we know that because it's handing out indictments. Dark to Light with Frank and Beans can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.